We just finished Kings of the Hill North and the four prophets God sent to warn them. I clumped all 19 kings after Jeroboam, the one who started it all and who clawed their way to the top of the hill in one podcast. Now we turn to the southern hill, Judah, and we're going to need to take this in a series of podcasts. They too had 19 kings plus Solomon's son who also started it. There's several reasons we need to take this in multiple episodes. First and most importantly, God had made a promise to David that one of his offspring would sit on the throne as king until a king came from David's line who would rule forever. David was of the tribe of Judah, and Judah, of course, is the remaining southern tribe, along with that tiny tribe Benjamin who's embedded in the area of Judah. So while all of Jacob's kids and tribes were important, in fact, all nations of the world are important to God, remember the promise to Abraham? All nations of the world will be blessed through you. It's the southern tribe of Judah that gets the focus of the rest of the Old Testament, and specifically that promised king who would come through the line of David. So we're going to take a look at the first 11 kings following Rehoboam on the southern hill Judah. This covers a period of 200 years. Some years I've given my students a report card to fill out on the kings of Israel and Judah. I list their names and the dates they reigned, and I leave the report card blank for them to fill in a grade plus teacher comments. You're welcome to do that as well as you follow along. The writer of 1st and 2nd Kings and the writer of 1st and 2nd Chronicles, which piggybacks 1st and 2nd Kings, normally give a grade to each king themselves. The northern kings all get bad grades. They're all considered bad, evil, or worse. Jehu, that reformer in the middle, probably gets the best grade, but maybe no more than C+. While he addressed the symptoms of Israel's disease, he never addressed the disease itself, idolatry, the sins of Jeroboam. In the south, the report card's a little more tricky. Some kings are good, some kings are bad and worse, and with some kings, their mid-quarter grade is different than their final. I'm about to give you a quick overview of the first 12. I urge you to explore this deeper in 1st and 2nd Kings and 2nd Chronicles. Before we do, I'd like to mention something quickly about 1st and 2nd Chronicles. You've heard me refer to 1st and 2nd Chronicles in my discussions of the story of David, the story of Solomon, and the kings of the hill north. 1st and 2nd Chronicles is probably the last book written in the Old Testament around 400 or 425 B.C., In many ways, it's like Leviticus. It's a lot of lists of names and dates, quite tedious. It also quite closely follows the stories of David and the kings of Israel and Judah. Many people believe Ezra was its author. While 1st and 2nd Kings gives us the historical account, the flow of events and kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles has a different purpose. Written after the destruction of the northern kingdom by Assyria, and the exile of the southern kingdom to Babylonia, and even the return of a remnant of exiles to Judah to rebuild Jerusalem and restart their nation. Second Chronicles' purpose is to give people hope that God would be true to his promises. I mean, after Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia, and all the Ite nations repeatedly, like Piranha, nipped at and even dined on the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. It's no wonder the surviving people back in the area of Jerusalem and Judah needed some encouragement. 
Chronicles was written to remind them how they got into these predicaments, to call them to obedience to the law of God, and to remind them God cared for them and would fulfill his promise, particularly the promise to David that one day one of his descendants would be king and rule forever. Much of the information that I'll share with you on Kings of the Hill South in this and future episodes is from 2 Chronicles chapters 13 through 36. You could say 1st and 2nd Kings gives the 40,000 foot view. 1st and 2nd Chronicles dives down for a much closer look. So here we go, the report card of the Kings of the Hill in the South, part 1. Of course, Solomon's son Rehoboam started it all. We studied his life in the Rehoboam and Jeroboam story. We've learned about his multiple wives and that he neither cared for nor had any regard for God. I'd probably go about a D minus, but I'll leave it up to you. His son Abijah takes over. Abijah reigns for three years. Abijah's a kind of tricky one to grade. On the one hand, he had 14 wives, 22 sons, and 16 daughters. He also allowed idolatry to continue. The one good thing he did do is when confronted by Jeroboam of Israel in a potential battle, he relied on God. You'll read his speech in 2 Chronicles. He begged Jeroboam to go home and said, You've bailed out on God. We're still on God's side. This isn't going to end well. Jeroboam doesn't listen. He comes from both front and rear on Abijah and the troops of Judah. And God, it says, routed Jeroboam in the north. So much so, Jeroboam never recovered. The next king was Asa. He ruled for 41 years. We're told God brought peace to Judah through Asa. Early on, he cleans house. He follows the law of God. He builds up Judah's defenses. Second Chronicles tells us he's attacked by a million troops from Ethiopia. Knowing he's over his head, he relies on God and God gives an incredible victory. Asa holds a solemn assembly to worship God in Jerusalem. It's magnificent. And get this, he removes his own mother from power because she set up a horrible false image. Removing your mama is no small thing. Asa's grade at midterm was much higher than his final. Israel's king, Baasha, prepares to attack him. Now mind you, God intervened and helped Asa and Judah defeat one million Ethiopian troops on the attack. But now, with Baasha and his much smaller army threatening them, Asa turns to a human ally, Ben-Hadad. God shakes his head and said, Dude, what are you doing? From there, Asa's life goes downhill. Judah struggles against enemies. When Asa is confronted by a prophet, instead of being repentant, he gets really angry and bitter. He gets a foot infection that ultimately takes him out. His son Jehoshaphat takes the throne. We're told Jehoshaphat was like his dad in the early years. He firmed up Judah's grip politically and militarily. He was single-minded. He got rid of the shrines of the false gods. He sent priests out to the towns of Judea and surrounding areas they controlled, teaching the people how to follow the law of God. In the middle of Jehoshaphat's reign, we're told he developed an alliance with Ahab. Yes, the worst king of Israel. You'll remember he and Ahab going into battle. He's disguised as Ahab. Remember that? Jehoshaphat, unlike Ahab, lives for another day. Back in Jerusalem, He's rebuked for his alliance with Ahab. 
But unlike Asa, he doesn't get angry or bitter. He becomes broken and repentant. Second Chronicles tells us he really turned his heart back to God. He appointed fair and good judges. He put the real fear of God in the citizens. We're told when Ammon, Moab, and Edom allied to attack Jerusalem, he brought the people together in another solemn assembly, and they fell before God and cried out for his help. God said, I'll fight for you. And Jehoshaphat was so convinced of God's faithfulness, he puts a choir out in front of their army as they go into battle. King Jehoshaphat started strong, had a glitch in the middle, repented and ended strong. Jehoshaphat dies and his son Jehoram takes his place. Jehoram ruled for eight years. Here's a bulleted list of his accomplishments. You give him a grade. He killed all of his brothers so he could have the throne. We're told he abandoned God. He led Jerusalem away from God. He was evil in the same spirit as the kings of Israel. He receives a letter of warning from Elijah, but he disregards it. God afflicts his family with a plague, then has the Ethiopians return and attack and take his family and kill off all but one of his sons, Ahaziah. And finally, we're told, he's taken by a painful, humiliating disease. His son, Ahaziah, takes over. He only lasts a year before being killed by Jehu when he was visiting King Joram of Israel. We're told he was evil, that he was cut out of the same bolt of cloth as Ahab. When he is killed, we get our first and only queen of the south, Athaliah, the white witch. She was simply devilish. I don't use that term loosely. Her first act was to kill all of her boy grandchildren. No kidding. Grandma killed all of her little boy grandbabies. Well, all but the one-year-old who was hidden by the priests. On the surface, she seemed to be doing this so she could stay queen and have no competitors. But below that, what would happen if she had succeeded? The Ethiopians had killed all of Jehoram's sons except for Ahaziah. And now Ahaziah's dead, and Athaliah kills all of his sons except for the one-year-old. God had promised David one of his descendants would sit on the throne of Judah until a descendant came who would rule forever. If Athaliah had been successful, God's promise would have been nullified. Thankfully, Grandma missed a grandboy. Jehoiada, the priest, protected this one-year-old in the temple for six years, and at year seven brought him out. He'll become the next king. But before we move to little Joash, here's another thing the White Witch did during her evil reign. She used all the temple artifacts devoted to Yahweh, the God of Israel, in the worship of Baal. After her six-year reign of terror, Athaliah hears some commotion in the temple, singing and joyous shouting. She thinks she hears, long live the king as she nears the temple. When she arrives, she sees a seven-year-old crowned who looks strikingly like her son, Ahaziah. She screams, treason. Jehoiada the priest doesn't want her blood contaminating the temple, so she's dragged out to the horse stables. I imagine her being trampled there, like Jehu did to Jezebel. Ding dong, the white witch is dead. The next king is little Joash, age seven when he's crowned. The young lad becomes a strong king, mentored by Jehoiada the priest. Wow, did this kid start out strong with that tutelage. He tore down the Baal temple. 
he restored the burnt offerings. Then he began to renovate the temple that had become dilapidated under the White Witch. But Joash also had a higher midterm than a final grade. When the priest Jehoiada, his mentor, dies at 130, the wheels begin to come off his rule. The sex and religion shrines return. The prophets are disregarded. The murder of one of these prophets, Zechariah, Jehoiada's son, triggers consequences from God. Within a year, the Aramean troops invade. Joash's army is throttled. Joash is wounded in battle. And while he's recovering, he's assassinated, primarily in retaliation for the murder of Zechariah, the prophet. I told you some of these kings were kind of hard to give a grade. His son Amaziah takes his place. He serves for 29 years. Amaziah is called a good king by God. He executes his dad's assassins, but he doesn't harm their kids. Why this is important, in God's law, the law of Moses, God specifically said, The children will not be punished for the sins of their parents, nor the parents for the sins of their children. Each person is guilty for his own sin. Amaziah is following the law of God. That's unusual for the kings of Israel and Judah. He's kind of a curve wrecker, in other words. We're told he hires the soldiers of Israel to help defend him from an enemy. But then, God says, why aren't you trusting in me? So he sends those soldiers home. That's pretty cool. On the other hand, he brought back the gods of the people he conquered. And when prophets confronted him, he told him to shut up. Who asked you? Mind your own business. Not cool. At this point, the prophets say, you're pretty much done, Amaziah. How he's done in is challenging Jehoash, the northern king of Israel, to fight on the battlefield. Jehoash says, don't even think about it, you're way over your head. But Amaziah attacks and gets throttled. Jehoash not only wins the victory, he comes to Jerusalem and tears down 600 feet of Jerusalem's protective wall. Then he takes anything he wants, including hostages. He leaves Amaziah to rule this broken down capital city and his defeated army. For 15 years, he's a lame duck until he flees the country and is assassinated. His son, Uzziah, at age 16, takes the throne. Uzziah rules for 52 years. He's called a good king, a loyal seeker of God. He strengthens Judah against the Philistines. He organizes his kingdom. Judah is on the mend. But then we're told he became arrogant. His strength went to his head. One day he walks into the temple and he begins to burn incense. You'll remember from the law of God, the incense of God was a special recipe and it was only to be burned in certain circumstances by the Levites. But powerful, Uzziah decided, rules are made to be broken. The Levites beg him not to do it. He disregards these peon priests and continue. As he's doing it, a skin disease appears on his head. He realizes he's gone too far. The rest of his life he's spent in quarantine. And when he dies because of the skin disease, he's not allowed to be buried in the royal cemetery. Then we get to his son Jotham. He rules for 16 years. He's a good king, steady and determined to obey God. Let that soak in. The common people of Judah, however, kept on sinning. Jotham was a splash of faithfulness in the cesspool nation of Judah. Jotham dies, and then comes Ahaz. He ruled for 16 years, 
and he was one bad, bad boy. We're told he copied the idolatry of Israel. He cast images of Baal. He participated in the sex and religion Baal cult, and he implemented passing his own sons through the fire. Yep, that's just exactly what it sounds like. It was an epidemic of depravity under King Ahaz. God turns his wrath on this wicked king and the citizens of Judah. He sends Aram against them. Then King Pekah of Israel, who kills 120,000 of Ahaz's troops in one day and takes 200,000 captives to Samaria. He seeks help from Assyria and instead they turn on him. So weak Ahaz purges anything gold or silver from Jerusalem to pay off Assyria. And then, get this, he worships the Assyrian gods, the gods of the very people who just defeated and pillaged him. Well, there you are, folks. We've just gone through 200 years of kings of the hill south. 11 kings and one queen. We have 8 kings and 140 years to go before they're exiled to Babylon. God is also sending them sticky-note prophets to warn them, as he warned the northern kingdom with Elijah, Elisha, Amos, and Hosea. We're going to take a look at the first two of those, Joel and Micah, in our next word picture. 